There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. We need to focus on Wagner, and then we need to focus on ourselves. We've got to make sure that we use every amount of that time to the best of, to the best of our ability on what we're weak at or what we want to get stronger at. It's about that time. Syracuse football, 4-0. Welcome into the Orange Zone, everyone. If you're watching on YouTube, hello. If you're listening at Spotify, iTunes, iHeartRadio, we are audio platform, baby. We are everywhere. I'm Tommy Sladak. We have Samantha Cross in here. We have Brendan Hodges on the producer, Mike. How's everybody feeling? I mean, I love the fact that we're audio-based now. We're on podcasts. We're in your homes. You can mm-hmm. listen to us at work. Driving to work, wherever you want. Shout out Orange Chuck. He was asking us, "Hey, can it go to can it go to a podcast? Can it go to audio so I can listen at work?" We're making it happen, Chuck. And here's a rundown for everyone on what we're hitting today. Obviously, we're going to be touching briefly on that Virginia game. Syracuse again moving to four and zero. We're going to be looking ahead to Wagner coming up later in the show. We have Wagner's play-by-play broadcaster Keith Rad giving us a preview on the Seahawks. Great. Great broadcaster name, honestly. Got a little one? last name, Rad. It just works Doesn't out well. Doesn't get much better than that. Honestly. It's a good name. Wish I had it. Keep it moving forward here. Syracuse, top 25 in the coaches poll. We'll be hitting on that. And then, of course, we have some sound bites from the players. We have some sound from the coach. We get to some fun observations. And we have producer Brendan's trivia question. Can never forget And predictions. It. So we have a lot going on this show, but I just want to open it up to you guys and see how you're feeling. What's the vibe? How's your week been work-related or, or just in, in general? I mean, listen, went to that Virginia game. First game of the season, I was there as a fan. So that was an interesting experience. Nice. Yeah, it was – now that I've been shooting on the field, though, I have to say, it was fun, but I couldn't help thinking in my head, no, I wish I was shooting. Mm. Like, I wish I was down on the field shooting. You got the itch now. Yeah, it felt like every seat that I could have been sitting in was honestly too far away. I get that. What about you, man? A little bit spoiled then. Oh, totally. Yeah. This career makes you spoiled. How about you? How's the week? The week's good. The week's good. It's, It's fun covering a team that's winning. You know, I think that's the general vibe I'm feeling right now. And, and just football is back. It's, it's, I, I overloaded on it. Saturday, Sunday, Sunday, just Sunday ticket. I was watching my birds. It was a great day. Go birds. Great day. Not a great day for Bills fans. No. Tough loss. I feel like half their team's on the IR right now. But, Brendan, how you feeling, man? Go birds, man. Go birds. <laughs> Go birds. Go birds. I, I will say Saturday started off great. Well, actually, I was here. It started off great because SU won. It ended bad because the McAllister College Scots dropped their Mayak opener to the Oles of St. Olaf College, 38-32. Close game. Brandon's a former Division Three football player for those uh, listening at home. The Mayak, where is it? it's where it's at, man. We were looking at the polls this morning with uh, one of our coworkers, Brandon Roth. He came over and asked, what does the Division Three poll look like? And so we scroll down, and Tommy's just like, what's a North Central? 
It's not a team on my radar, honestly. And we talked about Cortica, obviously. Biggest little game in the nation. Allegedly. Allegedly. At Yankee Stadium this year, right? I think that's where... It's at uh, Yankee Stadium. Yeah. Yeah. We'll be hitting on that here in a few weeks for sure. Both teams undefeated. Yeah. Feels good. Right next to each other in the uh, AFCA Division Three pool. It's good stuff. D3 football's finest. That's all I got to say. Speaking of top 25, let's get right to it. I mean, let's get into it. Coaches poll, Syracuse, number 25. First time they've been in the poll since 2019. For coaches. For coaches. For coaches. AP. Knock when on was the doorstep. The AP? When was the AP? AP. 2019 as well, but I haven't cracked it yet. Yeah. 19 votes, or excuse me, 22 votes up from seven from last week. Right around what we expected. Was I a little bit surprised to see them pop in there? Sort of was, but we, we talked about how they would be right in this conversation for a few weeks now, and, and here we go. We can say that this is a top 25 team, and you look at the AP side of things, and it's going to come down to, I think, really what some of the other teams are. I don't believe the voters are going to be relying on what's happening in this Wagner game on whether or not they think Syracuse should be bumped up or down rather than what's going on around them. Well, and that is the question, right, is what is it going to take to break the glass ceiling here? Mm-hmm. What do you think? Honestly, it's, it's other teams for me. You mentioned it earlier. You have a matchup that you're keeping an eye on. I think what's... It's going to come down to what's happening in that 20 to 25 realm on both the AP and coaches. And then all the, also these other teams that are receiving votes. Um, some of them have thrown me off in that Florida coming in at 20 last week. Played a very good Tennessee team. Took it right down to the wire. They still dropped. Partially because they picked up a second loss, Brendan? Lost number I think two for so. Them? I, I don't know if it was a second consecutive loss, but it was definitely a second loss. Which plays into Syracuse being an undefeated team. And moving forward, you have this Wagner game where fall goes according to plan. They should be 5-0 and in the bye week after that. We made a mention of it coming into this show, but we talked about having that bye week is a whole nother week for those teams to lose. So ideally, if you're a Syracuse fan, the Orange are going into week 7 at 5-0. and Right. And you mentioned it. Game I'm keeping my eye on. Number 22, Wake Forest, and number 23, Florida State. I think earlier you mentioned it's all about what is happening around Syracuse. Because Wagner, I think all three of us collectively agreed, that's not going to be enough to bump them up. However, I think you can look for Syracuse to jump potentially over the loser of that game between Wake Forest and Florida State in the rankings if and hopefully, dear God, when they win against Wagner. Can't confirm, by the way. It was not back-to-back losses for Florida. That Makes more sense. Their first loss wasn't even that bad. It was Kentucky. Yeah. And so, Kentucky's a top-10 team right now. There you go. It's showing you where those voters are, are valuing a loss. And clearly, it's going to be weighing on a lot of these teams. But Sammy mentioned you have Widener coming up. And just to recap it, if you weren't watching the game on Friday night, nationally televised game, Syracuse beating Virginia 22-20. to and I wrote in the article on cmycentral.com, I said, nothing ugly about 4 0. Because there isn't. <laughs> a win is a win at the end of the day. But at the same time, I haven't met too many Syracuse fans that have found themselves the day after going back and watching the highlights of that, like we saw against Purdue. People couldn't get enough of the way that game ended. This one, it almost felt that people just kind of wanted to move on from it because there were some 
some concerns people saw. But at the end of the day, they're 4-0. and I agree. Listen, Purdue, and I don't know if that was because I was down there shooting that game, but the Dome and just the way it played out, it felt more electric in there. That seemed like the kind of thing you want to watch over and over again to see the best plays. Virginia, it's one of those – there are those wins where you just say, a win's a win, and you move on. But again – at the end of the day, they're coming out in the games where things are close. 4-0, and it's a good place to be. It's a great place to be. And speaking of, Sam, you were, you were there as a fan. And the big conversation coming out of this game, of course, it was some of the things in the game and what needs to be worked on and tweaked. But there was a lot of conversation on social media over the fan attendance. Now, we have a few numbers with that. Do we have an exact number for, for the Virginia game? Why do you guys look at me like that? Like, you did have the numbers. I, I have like a bunch of averages. They're not on me. I want to say it was close to 35,000 right. for the Virginia game. Okay. And it's ever since the opener against Louisville, that was around 37,000, and it's gone down by 1,000 for each of the next two home games, which have been the only other two home games. Right, right around 35 and 34. And so I guess it's less on the numbers, but more of, or of the, the feeling. And I think there were a lot of people that felt there should have been more people in the stands for the fans that went there. And it brought up the conversation of why isn't there more fans in this stadium for, for this arena for a team that right now was four and zero? Sam, do you, what are your thoughts on, do you, have, do you have any concerns for the numbers or is this something I we do. just need to look at the full picture? I do. I think that again, being there as a fan for Virginia you have a little bit of a different feeling. You're able to look around kind of at just the rest of the JMA Wireless Dome, and it felt a little empty, and it felt a little emptier than it should have been for a team that's 4-0. But as you said, it is less about the numbers, and for me, it's more about the reason why. And I think one thing that was coming up on my feed a lot, something that people were bringing to my attention, is this JMA Wireless Dome sound system. Mm. And... I want people who are listening to this to know, please reach out to me on Twitter, at SamCroston1, if this is a concern of yours, because it is something we're reporting on today. It's something we'll be reporting on all week. And I think it could have been better. And I think that a lot of the fans who go to the games consistently, season ticket holders, people who are really into it, are pretty frustrated with the fact that they cannot hear some of the calls that the referees are making on the field. As a fan, that's frustrating. And coming out to the Dome, especially as it gets a little bit colder into the winter months, listen, do I think it's worth it? Absolutely. But it is a hike and people pay a price. So you want to know that you're going to be getting a great experience. I could see not that that is making the biggest difference, but it's one factor that it wouldn't surprise me if people think, well, why wouldn't I watch it from the comfort of my own home with broadcasters who I can hear exactly as things are going on as they're happening? I had one interviewee tell me he was at the game and he had to look to Twitter to know what call was being made on the mm. field at one point. Shouldn't have to do that. Shouldn't have to do that. So we're looking into the reasons why that is, and if changes can be made, how quickly they'll be made. What about you? You know what? There's, there's some people that maybe see some of these things as, as excuses. I, I think excuse is the wrong word as much as it, it's a part of its life, and a part of it is just the situation here in central New York. And I, I will say this. I missed the first quarter, first half of that game. It was really just listening on my phone. I was out and about at high school games, shooting some Friday night lights. And I was at a few games, Sam. 
that were packed. Student sections 200 deep. Bleachers filled with parents and grandparents and friends and aunts and uncles, you name it. That's a football community. These high school Friday night lights are mm-hmm. football communities, most of which are also a part of this Syracuse Orange fan base. There's no doubt in my mind that there were people in those bleachers checking their phones and people updating each other because <laughs> they care about the Orange. But at the end of the day, that's their son or their daughter, whoever is at that game participating, is taking part. That's going to take... I think, and bring some of those numbers down because it was a Friday game. Had that Virginia game been a noon start, a 3.30 start on Saturday, I would have seen it a little bit higher. And we also have to address the elephant in the room. There are still people, and I'm going to respect them, that aren't going to that games that are diehard fans because of the pandemic and concerns that they may have. But at the end of the day, I do think this is a fan base that is bought in, and I do expect it to go up by the few thousands. You'd like to, you'd like it to. I would definitely say so. Last note on that, you know, we talk sometimes with the Syracuse police about their preparations as we head into games coming up. They said they are preparing for and think it is a possibility that by the Notre Dame game, the entire JMA wireless dome will be sold out. And I'll tell you one thing that got sort of lost in the shuffle with all the different storylines from that Virginia game is the fact that we got another player down Mm. and it is defensive lineman Terry Lockett. Four starters in four weeks, averaging one starter hurt every single game. That average needs to go down. That average needs to go down. I mean, it's it's end of the day, these these are these are players, these are people. And you think about all the work that goes in in the offseason and the training and the game by game. And so to have four guys go down beginning of the year, close to it, it's tough. It hurts. And I and I feel for them. Chris Elmore and Stefan Thompson week one. I was a linebacker and fullbacker. Uh, fullbacker. <laughs> fullback. You also have Terry now on the D-line, and you had Isaiah Jones last week, who's likely is out uh, as, a, as a wide receiver. But where there is pain, there is also some light in this 2022 team because guess what, Sam? They are still winning. And I don't know if you could say the same for some of these past few teams here that they're able to still get these W's without, again, two starters on both sides of the ball out. It shows depth. Guys have stepped up. These reserves have helped win this game. Eric Coley, he's an amazing story. Sixth-year senior. Went to FM. He stays for another year and has the the bat-down play to end it on fourth and four in that Virginia-Syracuse game. This Syracuse team has, this 2022 team has has something special. And a part of that is the ability for each player to step up when they're called on. Resilient is a word that comes to mind. Talented. And that sentiment, this team has something special. That's what people were saying about the 2018 team. Mm-hmm. Yes. People are starting to see the similarities. There are comparisons here. Anything stick out to you about the 2018 and the 22 team? Any similarities you're seeing? I mean, it's the 4-0 right off the bat. So it's hard not to put the 2-2 two two together. Syracuse, that 2018 team, would, of course, go on to lose that game, which means if the Orange beat Wagner, they'd be moving to 5-0 for the first time since 1987. It was a Don McPherson era. It was a heck of a team. But in terms of the comparisons, it's, it's hard to miss... 
the impact of a running QB like Eric Dungy. We know Garrett Schrader can do the same thing. There was NFL talent on that 2018 team. I think there's more on this 2022 team. Um, but they believed in each other. And they were confident in the way they played football. And I'm feeling the same thing. I'm feeling and from talking to the players every week that, that they're bought in on offense, defense, special teams, mm. they're bought in. And, and Dino has been seeing stuff as well since the summer, right? There's things that they did in the summertime where I was looking at them going, the last time I saw that was that year. I did whistle. That's the second time in my entire life. I'm not going to stop that. Um, that they were just doing things that reminded me of really, really good teams. And then I, you know, after they had did it a couple of times, I, I alerted them to it. I said, this is what really good teams do. You guys need to keep this up. We're not the only ones seeing those, those comparisons. A lot of people are seeing it. Dino has been seeing it since the summer. I will say, I think 2022 team, better running back in Sean Tucker. I know he hasn't been pleased for the last two weeks. And I'm telling you, I think he's going to be pleased this week. So let's just keep that in mind. Mm -hmm. And I think defensively here, the strength is in the linebackers and the secondary. I think Mikel Jones, Marlo Wax, these are people who have really made a difference. Deuce Chestnut, Garrett Williams. And I know in the 2018 team you had Andre Sisco as a safety, but I think there the D-line was really what shined. Angie's list is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is. And it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. So whether or not the 2018 or the 2022 team is better, we will see that at the end of the season. But definitely some really good things with both. And again, with this game with the Seahawks this week, you're talking about a Syracuse team that can do something they've not done since 1987, and that is move to 5-0. and And everything points to this should happen. We'll get to the miracle statements that we've heard here in a little bit, but <laughs> as for Wagner, just giving people a little bit of a rundown, 0-3 to start the season, but this losing streak extends pretty far back. Like what 23 games like far back. 23 games. Like since 2019 back. Like sep since September 2019 <laughs> that far back. That that hurts. I I That hurts to see that. I feel for a team that has not won since 2019. And to put, put into a little bit of perspective there for anyone kind of doing the math in their head, that 2020 <laughs> fall postponed to a few games in the spring. They only ended up playing two games, so... 0-2, 2020, 2021, and then you had 0-11 last year, and here they are coming in 0-3 right now. You have to win this game for yourself. Listen, you have to, but I mean this Wagner team, just so people kind of understand some of the struggles as well, or even just changes, I would call it. On the one hand, they shifted over to a new head coach, Tomasella, at the end of 2020. Okay, last year was his full first season as a head coach, even though he got there in 2020. He's technically right now 0-16. 
So let that sink in. But he played at Wagner. He's from Staten Island. So I think that was a good cultural shift for them. Mm-hmm. New this year as a problem, from what I'm hearing, is the cornerbacks. That is the biggest problem that the Wagner team has. So wide receivers expect to step up in this SU game. That's something that I would look out for. But it has to be a win game. And the question becomes, is it a trap game? Could it ever be? My simple answer, no. No. I, I don't think this game stretches to that level. Again, you don't, you don't want to overlook an FCS opponent. But to me, the, when you're talking about the bottom of the FCS and you're talking about a team that is, is a 4-0 Syracuse team, it, it can't even approach that. And I don't see it happening. Because more than anything, this is, this is a get-right game for them. But you go back to the way they played, and guess what? It was that 2018 year. I believe they won it 62-10. to 10. I think there were 45 points for Syracuse at halftime. I need to see something similar here, Sam. I need to see these adjustments and corrections that are, have bothered these players happening there in that first half. Make it happen and then start bringing in the reserves. I'm excited to see some of these names that we haven't seen too much this year. That's the way I'm looking at this game. But more than anything, it's in the, I think the thing that probably comes to most Syracuse fans' minds is we got to get the run game going. It needs to happen. What has been going on in the run game, and how do we fix it? Garrett Schrader, Dino Babers, they've made adjustments. Garrett's saying today that he's, he's excited. He's like, you are going to see some things that look a little bit different. But he goes, I'm excited for what the, the adjustments we've made. And I'm, I'm interested to see how they get number 34 rolling again. Has to happen. And... As far as the trap game situation, I'm a clear no on that too. And I'll tell you why. It's because of Dino Babers and his mindset that he's had the entire season. I would say probably every single week I attend his Monday morning press conference and every single week he says, we need to stay focused on this 1-0 mentality. Fun fact, he also says, listen, I've dealt with this firsthand before, knowing that upsets can and will happen, and he's been on the fun end of that. Okay, he mentioned he was the head coach of the 2013 Eastern Illinois team who beat FBS San Diego State in the season opener 40-19. to Never should have happened, but it happens. So he has that mindset. He relays it down to the players, and I think that they have always fully, winning season or losing season, bought into his philosophies. He's a very compelling dude, let me just say. He is. He has his way with words. And a great interview as well is, is defensive leader Garrett Williams, who absolutely, after a game in which Charlie Jones, who no doubt in my mind is also a pro-level talent, went off for 180 yards, you know, Garrett said he, he, he felt that there were some people doubting, doubting him. Um, and he went out there and had a, a tremendous game against Virginia. He had an interception um, that I've watched maybe 50 times. He had bat downs. He was he was tremendous, and he has that same exact thing that you said about that Dino mentioned in that there is a ton of value in this Wagner game. And for the fans at home that are going to be watching or streaming or whatnot, um, he says there's going to be things to look out for, and it's a part of that is making those fixes that they need before whew, the schedule gets tough. We want to roll that soundbite. 
We have so much more we got to work towards and that we're nowhere near as good as we can be and that we're still leaving a lot of things out there on the field, offense, defense, and special teams. So um, if we can just keep working on cleaning up the mistakes, I think that should be our biggest goal this week, not who we're playing, just what we need to do when playing because every game is a big game for us. The wise words of Garrett Williams, always hitting home. But again, this Saturday, it's a 5 o'clock start on the ACC Network Extra. I'm sorry to say he will not be on cable this week. Mm. Does that play into Sam's push to pack the loud house? <laughs> pack the pack the dome. Pack the dome, man. No, I, I think. I thought there was going to be a bleep right there. I, 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 I kind of held it in. Yeah. Um, but no, listen, I think it has to happen. We'll see if it does happen. But you know that we got to put you guys on the line for a pick. Mm-hmm. I mean, what are we thinking? If you Speaking say it's not a trap game. of the game, line, is there a line? Is there a line? I don't think so. I haven't seen any. I haven't seen anything yet. I know Rutgers opened up around, I want to say 54, 55. Eesh. It's going to be something around there. Um, Should we just pick straight up this week? It'll be interesting to see. Yeah, that's fine. We don't even need to go spread on this one. Uh, uh, raise um, your hand if you're picking Syracuse. I mean, I, I will say that. But I think scores are important yeah. in perspective on what we think is going to happen. So, picks time. Listen at home, we're talking picks. Sam, you want to lead us off? Oh, I want to start us off. Let's do it. You seem ready. If you have the same as me, now we now people can really know that we don't see this before. Because I'm starting this week, so it's not like I'm following mm-hmm. you You started anything. last week, too. Did I? Yeah. So then maybe you're copying me. No, no, I went, <laughs> I went started last no, no, week. No, no, no. For, for reference, last week we had, and, and speaking of, I should have opened up with this. Off with our projections. Off with our predictions. Oof. Yeah. Big Final oof. score, Syracuse 22, Virginia 20. Zealand Shannon, our guest, was the closest one to the actual Shout score. Shout out Zealand for nailing that because I was 38-13. Yikes, you were, and this is where our comparisons came in, 38-24? Yeah, 38-24. 41-10. To be fair, I did foresee Virginia's offense turning the ball over. I did not think SU's <laughs> offense would turn the ball over four times. Yeah. All right, I'm going to say this. You have your SU number in your head? I do, yeah. I I'm do. just going to count us down from three, and we're just going to see what happens. Okay, okay. Tell me okay. you got it. All right, let's do it. Ready? Three, two, one, 42. 59-7. Okay. Oh, never mind. I was going to say 42-6. <laughs> 42-6 yep. Syracuse. And you're going 59-7. And I'll give tell me you your why. Bre- give me your breakdown. Listen, this is the thing. And I'm happy now to know that yours is 59-7 because I was going to say, could it be higher? 100%. Absolutely. But I not only think, but also hope that they're going to get in and pull out. They're going to pull out some of their starters. Mm-hmm. They're going to get in some second stringers, some people who maybe don't see the field as often. If they are up by a lot, what a great opportunity to not only save your starters, give them a little more rest than they already do have, but give some other people a chance at some looks, some opportunity to get some experience. So I'm going 42 to 6, and we'll see what happens. Hopefully I'm going to do a little better than last week. There you go. Again, what did I say? 59-7? 59-7. So to me, you're looking at doing the math in my head. I think there's going to be eight touchdowns for Syracuse in this game. I look back to 2018. We talked about the comparisons. Again, that was a Syracuse team that won it 62-10. to 10. They put up 45 points in the first half. 
45 points in the first half. So to me, you're keeping your starters out there for, I would say, right around then. You'd want that, especially because you have a bye week coming up. And if they are making the adjustments like they say they want to be making, because clearly they do need to make them, because you had a Heisman candidate coming into the year that has been averaging two points a carry, or two yards a carry, excuse me. You need to work out the kinks and try stuff out. I think it's going to happen early. I think we're going to be seeing Sean Tucker break for a long run. I have a statistic I want to share with everyone right now. Let's find it. In 8 of 12 games last year, Tucker broke free for a run of 24 or more yards. Again, in 8 of the 12 games. This season, his longest rush from scrimmage by game is in order. 12 yards, 13 yards, 10 yards, 9 yards. Maybe think of that long touchdown against Louisville. That was a catch. This man needs to be breaking free. And whether I, I, I don't exactly have an answer to it. Part of it, you're looking at what is, is the O-line not creating holes? Is, is his explosiveness, does that need to be better? I think we see that at least twice in this first half. Take it to the bank. Brandon, you're up. I'm going to prep. Oh. There we go. I'm going to prep like I always do with a quick stat. I, mm-hmm. I appreciate you taking my card from me. Um, I went back in the annals of history today, as you both very well know I love to do, to look up at how many times an FCS team has beaten an FBS ranked team. Mm-hmm. Granted, ranked in the AP pool. Poll. SU, not quite there yet. Still, there is a trend among FCS teams that beat FBS teams who are ranked. It's only happened six times. One time was Cincinnati in 83. They, uh, fi- they finished the season sub 500. JMU in 2010 finished the season just above 500. The other four times, 2021 with Montana, North Dakota State beat Iowa in 16, JMU beat Virginia Tech in 13. Appalachian State beat number five Michigan in 07. App State was a national champion for FCS. JMU, NDSU were semifinalists in FCS. Montana, a quarterfinalist. Wagner is none of those teams. SU wins 45 to 9. I think they still struggle a bit on offense with the new stuff, mm-hmm. but they get it going second quarter into the third. Starters get the fourth quarter off. The backups come in and mop up everything else. 45 9 SU wins. There you go. Big wins. See what the spread ends up being. I'll be interested. But as for this Wagner team, again, we've they put up some points, but clearly it's a team that struggled. It's a program that struggled. Struggled for years, and we, got an we wanted to find out more about that. And no one knows more about a team than their play-by-play broadcaster. So, hung out with Keith Rad. Keith Rad. Keith Rad. He's Rad to find out what Wagner would have to do to pull off this win. Could they even do it? And why they've been struggling for so long. Welcome in everyone to Four Downs with Keith Rad, Samantha Croston. Alongside a play-by-play broadcaster, Keith Rad does a couple different teams, but one of those teams is Wagner football. So, Keith, team is off to an 0-3 start this season. What can you point to as the reason for the rough start? Yeah, so the Seahawks are still kind of in rebuilding mode a little bit. And so this year, it's been a lot of bright spots. Nick Kargman, Naeem Simmons, 
quarterback and wide receiver, old high school teammates hooking up in college. So I think the, the main piece for Wagner is getting right this year is just building that chemistry. It's a team that had a coaching change in the middle of COVID, which is never fun. So you never have that clean transition of, okay, we're going to get our practices and schedules and camps going at the right time. Uh, recruiting's not been easy, but uh, there'll be a, a win or two on Wagner's schedule this year in conference. It might just take a little bit for everybody to get on the same page. Well, and that's the other thing. Again, this current losing streak, it dates back to 2019. So I can imagine how difficult recruiting has been. And I want to know for these players, in your opinion, where do they turn for motivation being part of a team that has struggled? Well, the nice part about it is with this coaching change, Tom Masella, who's a Staten Island native, he's the head coach. He also played at Wagner. Um, he's in the Wagner Hall of Fame. So he kind of knows what it's all about. And he was brought in at the end of 2019, going into 2020. And I think the pieces that he did bring in, talk about a Nick Kargman at the quarterback position. We saw that in the first game against Fordham this year. They gave Fordham, which is one of the best teams in, in the FCS, in the Patriot League, gave a run for their money in that first half, took a lead into at the halftime. So just to have a full offseason normalcy a little bit for this team and then put together a, a good first half to start the year, I think you could see it. Everybody could kind of feel it. Coaches hate talking about moral victories, as you probably know, covering them. Uh, but there were certainly moral victories in that Fordham game. Uh, but then you go to Rutgers, and that was just just not a pretty one. And then a potentially winnable game against St. Francis University this past week just didn't go Wagner's way. But there's there's good things in there. So I think the motivation is just fresh start. Everybody's going in with that normalcy feeling. And again, just getting on the same page with chemistry so that in conference play in the NEC, you can start to open up for some of those victories. And our orange, SU, off to a 3-0 and start. And I'm curious, as a play-by-play -play broadcaster, if you were calling this game, who's one name that you'd have circled on your list? Like, hey, I'm going to be talking about this guy a lot. Yeah, so that Schroeder kid that you guys have up there is pretty good uh, as your quarterback for Syracuse. And one of the things that Widener has tried to be better at is the secondary uh, kind of got torched a little bit uh, two weekends ago against uh, Makai Jackson, one of the wide receivers. So certainly a wide receiver to, to keep an eye on is, is one of the pieces for Syracuse, but it all starts with the quarterback and for Widener's secondary. And I talked about their head coach, Tom Masella, who's a defensive minded coach, who's really been frustrated with one thing that's been the secondary, been the, the DBs in the corners, focusing in on Schrader because he's a playmaker. I did see the end of that uh, Purdue game, which is kind of insane up at the dome. So, He's a magical player. If you can contain him at all, if you can read him at all and figure him out at all and uh, cover those wide receivers enough, I think Widener might have some success, but Schrader's been pretty good. Bottom line, what does Wagner have to do if they want to pull off this upset? Yeah, so it, it would be a true upset. Last time Widener was up at the Dome, uh, it was 62 to 10 in favor of, uh, in favor of Syracuse. So uh, certainly some of the players might feel that, remember that a lot of those guys are not around as a new coaching staff, but, uh, you know, big shoes to fill stepping into the dome, big crowd, upstate New York, big program, ACC. Uh, if Wider wants to pull off the upset, it probably starts with that, their defense. Uh, I mean, that's been one of the things against these big programs matching up with size. They have Titus Leo, who is probably the, the big name to know on the Widener side, who has an NFL future. Titus is a Sheepshead Bay, Brooklyn native. Uh, kind of a hometown kid with uh, NFL aspirations. He's gotten great looks from big programs. So a chance for him to shine on a big stage against uh, guys at Syracuse who are potentially NFL bound as well, certainly playing at a different level, FBS. So for Wider to pull it off, uh, Samantha might take you know, a slight miracle. You know, th things are not uh, impossible, but uh, it, it certainly starts on the defensive side. And Titus Leo, who's the anchor of the wider defense, would, would kind of lead the charge. All right, Keith Rad, thank you. Thank you.
And you always come in with your little fun fact of the day. I have a fun fact of my own today. He talks about and mentions Titus Leo, defensive lineman. He thinks sure to get NFL looks. You know, physically, he's going to be a lot bigger than everybody else on the team. And today, Keith told me that they would, in preseason, keep Titus Leo out of certain drills and practices because he was hurting people and going too fast. That mm. is how above the mark this dude is. Said he should be playing at a school like Syracuse. Interesting. I'm excited to see what he brings on, on Saturday. I'm looking forward to that. And thank you, Keith, for, for making the time. It was a good interview. Glad we got a little peek behind the, the closed door there, behind the curtain. Now it's time for our Wagner trivia. It's time for Producer Brendan's impossible question of the week. That I nailed on the uh, money last week. It was impossible for you last week. It was a <laughs> great guess. But let's get to it. Trivia time. Hit us, man. All right. So we, we actually discussed earlier in the week, Wagner used to be D3. Mm -hmm. This question is not about that. But they did win the national championship one time when they were D3. They've also been to the playoffs as an FCS team one time in 2012. So one time in 30 years. Oof. That's Which rough. team did they beat out of the gate in 2012 in the first round of the playoffs for their only playoff win to date? Do you have your, you have your timer ready? Let's do it. One minute. What are the rules again? One minute beforehand. One, right? The rules are one minute. Before Sam and I get a hint, we each get a guess. I would say in this first minute. Yeah. Let's do I'll, it. And then I'll give the hint. And the question again is... The lone FCS playoff win for the Wagner Seahawks is against who? In 2012. Yes. I'm just going for it. Hit it. Brian. Do you have a guess? I do have a guess. What is it? You, Albany. You are both incorrect. Mm, okay. Hint that, time. Hint. That, one of you, so Tommy, you're on the right track. This school is indeed in New York State. All right. Well, Fordham's an option here. I also have Stony Brook as an option. Stony Brook was FCS 2012? Yes, they were. Okay. Colgate. I think they still are, actually. Colgate, right? No, they, they definitely still are, but I just was curious if they were there at that point. Is Colgate FCS? Colgate should be FCS. They, they are so. FCS. Okay. Was Buffalo mm. FCS in 2012? Buffalo Wouldn't that be fun if it was Colgate? FCS mm. in 2012. Is that what you did? <laughs> I have a list of the teams that are currently in the FCS and were in 2012. Okay. You Albany, obviously, but you know that's wrong already. Colgate, which you know because you went there. Columbia and Cornell. Fordham, yeah, Long Island University. I looked them up, by the way, LIU. Uniforms, powder blue and yellow. I did not know that. That was, that was wild to me. Uh, Marist and Stony Brook as well. I'll go Colgate. Just, I'll go Stony just for Brook. the fun of it. It is Colgate. Hey! Oh! Let's go, Samantha. I should have just done that initially. I even thought about Colgate. I, I was I surprised. Know. None of you got my whole out-of-the-gate reference um, when I read the question <laughs> the first time. That was but creative. Yeah, um, yeah, they ended up losing in the second round that year, and they haven't been back since. So uh. I got to give it to you, Brandon. I'm going to start really kind of thinking about who we are as people because you do a good job of tying in our histories. Yeah. I enjoy that. I, I like love that. Thank you. Thank you. Good one. Real quick here. Fun observations of the week. I know you guys got a few. Listen, all I'm going to say is that Marlo Wax has an NIL ice cream deal, mm. which is yeah. too cool. When I found that out, and the fact that Dino Baber said, 
Oh, I love it. He just keeps getting bigger and bigger. And who's exactly he with? what I want. It is with the ice cream stand, a local business, downtown Syracuse. It's run by Amanda Hughes. I'm sure some of you have been there. Great spot. I love it. Great spot. Great owner. And she said, it was just an adorable story. Listen, his values aligned with ours. We loved meeting him in person. Really happy to have this partnership going. So you love to see the local downtown businesses getting in on some of those NIL deals too. Brandon? I have one and then an honorable mention. Okay. Uh, so one, uh, Max Mang, obviously we know he's from Germany. And there's a lot of international flair to this SU team. And I was listening through to his press conference yesterday because I wasn't in the building to hear it the first time. And he mentioned, A, said this verbatim basically, all the international players are smarter than me, meaning Dino. They know different languages. Apparently Dino Babers has a really good friend who speaks fluent German, and he took him into the weight room to speak with Max Mang and one other player, I can't remember the name. The partner. Yes, yeah. um, and they were just shocked that somebody came in and was speaking to them in German, and they had a nice long conversation. So, well done, Dino Babers. Um, not well done, Dino Babers, on a funnier note, making fun of your kicker. Um, Andre! Man's, we didn't even give Andre man, any love man's, there. Man's ACC Specialist of the Week, and he's like, I don't even think he can lift his Lou Groza Award. He, sa he said he, he would need his, the help of his holder and snapper to lift the trophy. And those trophies are heavy. Like, those are big and they are solid, but come on, Dina. I don't think Andre's actually that small. I think he's no, actually I pretty, think he, yeah. I think he's a strong kicker. But anyway, I mean, it, we didn't, we did not give Andre I know. love. Sorry, Andre. Shout out, Andre. Honestly, shout out, Andre. Big Gets miss flowers right there. now. Five tied, for five. Tied the record. Tied the school messy. record. It says he didn't even know, but more than anything, you got, you got a kicker that's confident. He's got a special teams coordinator. And he's booting the ball. Give him a lot of credit. Give him a lot of credit. What a rebound here in his last year. That's going to close it. I'm Tommy Slade. You don't have one? Honestly, honestly. I, I, you were full, telling me you were going to come up with full one disclosure, all day Full disclosure, we got our show in like an hour. I, gotta, <laughs> I have to go put something on TV right now. But thank you, everyone, for listening. This is the Orange Zone. Samantha Croston, Brendan Hodges, Tommy Sladek. Thank you for listening. Thank you for watching on YouTube. Make sure you subscribe to our CNY Central page. Helps us get more Orange Zone content out there. And thank you for listening. Spotify, Apple, iHeartRadio, wherever you're listening. Thank you. It'll be happening weekly on Wednesdays. We'll be looking to get some former big-name SU football stars in here very soon. A little teaser. Thank you. We're out of here. See you later. Peace.